Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 24th of June 2020 Hong Kong Stories Podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. We are feeling the oppressive heat these days, and when it gets hot, all we want to do is sit under the air conditioner. But it is important to stay fit and healthy, and today we have two stories that may inspire you to keep fit, even during the hottest days. First, we hear from Aubrey, and then from Kristen. But... Before we listen to today's stories, a huge thank you goes out to our loyal Hong Kong listeners. Thanks for all your support, and keep being amazing, Hong Kong. Thanks go out to our overseas listeners as well, especially listeners in Exeter in Canada, Washington, Pennsylvania in the USA, and Dublin, Ireland. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. Tonight we have our sold-out show, Fifty Shades of Red. Now, this show was originally planned for February, and Madeline has been a stellar host to wait patiently until it's safe for us to be in public again. Thanks to her and our storytellers for all their hard work. We're starting to collect stories for a July 23rd show at The Fringe. The theme for this show will be community, and pitch workshops are up. So come and tell us your experiences of community. Find details of how to find us on the website hongkongstories.com or on Meetup. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. And now with a story from our January 2020 show, which had the theme of Ready, Steady, Go. Here is Aubrey. In the summer of 2013, I had won a scholarship to spend the summer in Russia improving my Russian language. I was assigned to the city of Ufa, the capital of Bashkortostan. The State Department could have easily sent us to Moscow or St. Petersburg, but instead they wanted us to get a culturally immersive experience far, far away from anyone who spoke English. Each person on the program was assigned a buddy, a Russian teenager that was paid by the State Department essentially to be our friend. <laughs> so my buddy was Guzel, a 16-year-old English and German student who loved dancing. I lived with a Russian host mother who really wasn't used to catering to a vegetarian diet. <laughs> As I subsisted on a steady diet of pastries and grechka, my waistline quickly expanded. Guzel knew that I was eager to get some exercise, and so she suggested that I join her dance class. Now, I'm not normally much of a dancer, but I was up to t try anything. So I put my faith in Guzel, and I gave her cash to pay up front for six weeks of dance lessons. Guzel told me that she'd meet me downtown and together we'd take the bus to the class. Wear shorts, she told me. And no matter what, don't tell your host mother where you're going. <laughs> I thought her warning strange, 
But I thought perhaps she was just worried that my overprotected, overprotective host mother, who enforced a strict bedtime by unplugging the internet router each night, <laughs> would just be worried about me wandering too far. So the night of the dance class came. Guzel and I took the bus downtown. We got off and we walked toward our destination. As we passed burly bouncers and walked into the ostentatious entrance of a strip club, I suddenly realized why I couldn't tell my host mother where we were going. <laughs> Guzel led me down to the basement <laughs> where I met my classmates. B booths with animal printed pillows lined the walls and in the center of the room was a stage with three poles. My classmates were there warming up and they wore shorts too, I guess you could call them that, but they weren't the same style as the Adidas basketball shorts that I was wearing. <laughs> as I took my sneakers off, my feet stood in stark contrast to the sparkly platform heels that my classmates strapped on. Together, we learn how to pole dance. Now, I have to say, it's entirely possible that Guzel told me exactly what we would be doing and where we would be doing it. But at this point in the summer, my Russian language skills were pretty rudimentary and didn't yet include illicit nightlife vocabulary. <laughs> I learned some. Our class began with our instructor, a cherubic man named Pavel, coming out and demoing his own formidable pole dancing skills. Pavel spun around the bar, his body lithely floating in the air. Each move was graceful and effortless. He made it look so, so easy. Wow, I thought. I am not only going to lose my bread weight, I'm going to head home with a sexy new skill. I was a bashful yet enthusiastic student. We started each class by stretching. Now, this was not the stretching that I was used to from years of playing organized sports. For this stretching, we'd sit on the floor in a straddle position, our backs up against the poles, and our classmates would team up and push our legs open as hard as they could. Now, I was the silly American who had joined the class late, and when my classmates stretched me, they went easy on me because they knew I was just taking the class for fun. But when I stretched them, Pavel would come over and admonish me, must push until cry. If no cry, no go to Miami. <laughs> to this day, I have no idea whether Pavel was talking about a pole dancing competition held in Florida or a visa to work in a gentleman's club. But all I knew is that I didn't want to be the reason that Katerina didn't achieve her Miami dreams. And so I pushed, and I pushed until a single tear ran down her stoic cheek. When it came time for me to finally learn how to pole dance, it became alarmingly clear that it was not as easy as Pavel had made it look. Uh, for those of you who haven't accidentally ended up taking pole dancing lessons in the basement of a Russian strip club, I'll tell you this, it's really, really hard. Uh, it requires grit, strength, skill, 
It also requires developing calluses on your inner thighs so that someday it might no longer hurt as much to grip the, bo grip the pole with your bare skin. I never got to that point. My hands and my thighs burned as I tried to learn a couple basic spins. And I eventually improved a bit, uh, and it became time for me to learn how to flip upside down. I was really scared. It's really scary to let go of the bar and let yourself flip upside down with nothing but the friction of your thighs on the pole to keep you from falling on your head. So I did it. I managed to flip upside down. Pavel looked at me. He told me to replace the strained look on my face with a sultry smile and to run my fingers down the inside of my arm alluringly. <laughs> but then came the real challenge. I had to get myself right side up again. <laughs> um, so as I flailed trying to get my body back right side up, I quickly realized that I didn't have the ab strength I needed to pull off what would have been the most intense sit-up of my life. I crumpled into a disgraced pile on the floor. Pole dancing takes a lot of strength. The women in my class uh, really turned their noses at the women that came in after the pole dancing class for stripping class. Stripping is simply taking off clothes in sexy manner, they'd say disparagingly. Pole dancing, we are athletes. <laughs> we were not training to titillate our husbands or boyfriends. We were training for the glory of it. We were training to get to Miami. <laughs> As the summer wore on, I got a little bit better at pole dancing, and eventually uh, I took an iPhone, photo of, iPhone video of myself doing my routine to the latest Lana Del Rey hit, so when I got home that, that summer, I could show my friends and family what I'd been up to. <laughs> I don't think that my experience in Russia is exactly what the State Department had in mind <laughs> when they said cultural immersion experience. But I did learn a lot. I still haven't made it to Miami, but I hope some of my classmates have. Thanks. During the January show, Getting to Miami seemed easier than pole dancing. Aubrey came to one of our workshops to tell this story and pitch it for the show, and we're glad she did. And in July, we'll be returning to our regular free weekly workshops. Thanks to our entire Hong Kong community for your patience and care, and for masking up and keeping us all safe. We'll keep you updated on the website hongkongstories.com. Now from the September 2016 show, here is a story from Kristen. It's a Sunday morning, and I am upside down. My arms and legs are shaking, and sweat is dripping from my head onto the floor. This is not the serene scene I had pictured when I turned up for this yoga class. But I've moved to Hong Kong partly to shake things up, so I go with it. This class had begun like any other, 
Several dozen men and women, dressed in lycra, stretched or lay still on their mats as we waited for the teacher. A number of them seemed to be regulars and waved or whispered to each other. The whole scene had the usual cultish, high school cliquish, yoga class feel. Then the young American teacher bounded in. Good morning. As many of you know, this is my last class. I am leaving Hong Kong and traveling for a few months. To mark the occasion, I prepared some surprises for you. She explains that she will be incorporating contests into the class. I don't know a lot about the philosophy of yoga, but I do know that competition with others is not part of the deal. In fact, it's the opposite of what I understand yoga to be. I'm not particularly competitive, but I am game. The rules are simple. The teacher will instruct us to hold certain poses as long as we can. When we can't hold them any longer, we sit down. Whoever stays up the longest wins. And there will be prizes. I feel as if I've wandered into an alternative yoga universe. But we begin in the typical way. We bend, we lunge, we plank. A short while in, we pause. It's contest time. Chair pose. We squat, legs together, as if sitting in a chair. This pose is always challenging for me, partly because yoga is not a regular part of my exercise routine. And in the classes I do attend, we don't hold any pose for very long, and the teachers provide encouragement along the way. Hang in there, just a little bit longer, two more deep breaths. But here, with no clear end point and no strong desire to win a prize, it's hard to maintain the pose as a burn spreads across my thighs. When the discomfort deepens into pain, I give in and sit down. About half of the class is already seated, and we watch as the remaining contestants fall out one by one until there's just one woman left in her invisible chair. We applaud. This is weird. <laughs> but fun. We continue. Downward dog, eagle, pigeon. I never realized there were so many animals. We compete. Warrior three, dancer's pose, crow. I remain in the middle of the pack, neither the first nor the last to sit down. Respectable, but not impressive. I feel okay with this. Toward the end of class, we come to our final contest, a modified handstand. We place our hands on the floor, under our shoulders, and climb our legs up the wall until they're parallel to the ground at a right angle to our torsos. We're facing the wall, 
so we can't see what's happening in the room. And I'm not wearing a watch, so I can't tell how much time has passed. This lack of feedback adds to the disorientation of being upside down. Instead of being in the moment, I distract myself by thinking about my move to Hong Kong some months ago. I hadn't hesitated when my boss asked if I wanted to relocate. After more than a decade in New York City, my life was pleasant, but predictable. I was eager for a change. About half of you are still up, the teacher says. Huh, I feel okay. I can keep going. I raise one leg toward the ceiling to ease the pressure on my back. And I think of other uncomfortable positions I've been in since arriving in Hong Kong. The meetups, populated by other new arrivals in search of friends. The random junk I went on alone when a friend canceled at the last minute. My solo dinners at a neighborhood restaurant and attempts to chat up the other people eating alone at the bar. I wouldn't have considered doing any of these things in New York. I didn't need to. This get out there approach is new for me. And like this class, it's weird, but fun. 10 of you are still up. I'm a contender. This is a surprise. I try to ignore the sting in my arms and legs, and I listen to the sounds in the room. The rustle of fabric, the soft thump of, heat, of feet hitting the floor. Five of you are left. My hands are slippery with sweat, and I wonder if I might crash to the ground face first. A broken nose would not go with the many colorful dresses I've bought in an effort to liven up my black New York wardrobe. <laughs> there are just two people left, the teacher says. I am one of these people. <laughs> A surprising competitive streak surges through me. I don't know whom I'm competing against because I can't see, but I suddenly want to crush him or her. My whole body is shaking now. You're the last one. You won, the woman beside me says quietly. I climb my legs down the wall as gracefully as I can and sit on my heels as the class applauds. I smile and try not to look dizzy as the blood drains from my head. <laughs> the teacher strides over. Congratulations. What's your name, she whispers. Congratulations, Kristen. She hands me my prize, a white mug covered in a pink and black leopard pattern. <laughs> it's very on yoga, very on me, and very rewarding. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. 
Everyone has a story to tell. <laughs>